headed back in. Turned in! A second of the game for Van Veen, and he is loving it! Cornelius on the edge of the ball! Oh, How special is that for his first Motherwell goal? Slatnik and he shot away! It's a fantastic strike! And it's thundered in by Liam Grimshaw! What a moment for him! The fans' favourite! Hello and welcome to the first episode of the new season of the MFC podcast. Today I'm delighted to welcome along Pepe and Jaffa to preview what's coming in the next couple of weeks. We'll discuss new arrivals, departures, friendly matches, the UEFA Conference League, lots of things. How's it going, guys? All good. Doing well, buddy. Doing well. It's good to have you both. Uh, We've just actually recorded a wee bit of a segment with a a Slagler Rovers supporter. I'll use some wizardry to mesh that into the podcast at some point. There's been a fair bit happening over the last couple of weeks, guys. Let's kind of try and catch it up the best we can. New arrivals, Paul McGinn, Blair Spittle, Josh Morris have all come in at the club. Departures, the one I know, Kane Woolery leaving uh, for a move to the Turkish Premier League. Pepe, I'll start with yourself. We've not seen much of the, the new faces. We've only had one friendly where fans have been able to watch on. Paul McGinn didn't feature in that. Josh Morris only played for 45 minutes. So let's focus on Blair Spittle just now. He had a good season at Ross County last year. Arrives with a fair bit of pedigree. Is that the kind of signing that caught your eye out of the, the three that have arrived? Um, I I think he's, he's what we needed. We needed a bit of experience in, in the league. Um, he's maybe not... Excited everybody, but I was delighted when when we signed him. Um, he's capable of scoring goals from midfield, um, and I thought his energy levels on Saturday were exceptional. Um, it's him that obviously shuts the ball down. From where I was sitting in the stand, it was actually Graham Alexander that shouted for him to go and shut the ball down. So, so fair play to the manager for for for, the, for getting on his case. But I'm quite happy with him. Um, again, he's one of these players that. That you can see he's going to either play, um, he can play either side of the midfield or he, he can play um, obviously near the right or the left of the, of the front three. So, so overall, I think he's going to be a really, really good signing. Jaffa, as I say, there's, there's not really much that can be said on the arrival of Josh Morris and, and Paul McGinn at the moment. We certainly know more about Paul McGinn given he was involved in the Scotland setup three or four years back. Last season he played with Hibs, he's played with St Martin. He's got a, a bit of pedigree and experience in this league. And maybe that's something we've lacked from full-backs that have come in from down south and, and maybe not been ready for the rough and tumble of the Scottish Premiership. I Definitely, that's that was a thing that I've kind of thought of. Obviously, of the three signings, don't, don't know anything about Josh Morris. I, I didn't follow his career, didn't know anything about him when he came in. But we did know, we do know of the... Of McGinn and Spittle, uh, we know that they they can play at this level. Know that they know about us, so kind of they know what they're coming into. Um, 
I, I'm a bit like, obviously, sort of didn't see McGinn sort of get a chance on, on Saturday. Hopefully that was precautionary and, and maybe he will make a, a start on, uh, on Thursday night. Um, but can I, it's, see the thing, the thing that, that I, I've thought about the three signings that we've made, it was in positions that I wasn't convinced that we needed cover for. Um, Obviously, at right back on Saturday, we had Max Johnson started there. Kind of went through the game, didn't he look flashy or anything like that, but anything he was asked, they sort of stood up to. Kind of looks looks a big boy for, for his age. Um, and obviously, O'Donnell was on the bench, didn't he get on. Um, so, I, it's, I thought we had sort of plenty of cover at sort of right back. Don't know, obviously, sort of last season, McGabby played out there as well. So, uh, and... Obviously, Morris and Spittle come out of the midfield, and it's like again that was a that's a, an area where kind of we've got a couple of young boys coming through, breaking at the team that look that look decent. Plus, you've got the sort of old heads of Slattery and Goss. Um, but like Pepe, it's I, I'm I, I was kind of quite pleased when we signed Spittle. It's like, there was a lot of people that wasn't, but kind of it's from what I've seen of him, it's he isn't afraid to shoot for outside the box, which I think there's far too many kind of mother old players are. Um, so it gives us that extra dimension that, that maybe, maybe we don't have. And as Pepe said, he was a guy who sort of strolled through the game on Saturday and kind of, uh, and his energy was great towards the end of the game as well as sort of um, through the first minute. So I, I, I'm I'm quite happy with him, but it's like I would have I would have much preferred a kind of a guy, a more forward thinking player um, that can that can link up with with sort of what we have up front. Where can I think there's a Obviously, KVV first choice all the time, and kind of Shields maybe will come on again. We've not seen the best of him yet, and it's an effort that I know a lot of people don't have a don't have a, a lot of time for the guy. But I think he gives he gives you a hundred percent. He maybe isn't he the the greatest technical player, gives you a hundred percent, and kind of obviously he's already scored goals at, at this level. So it's I'm willing to give him a chance, and it's I think he's a, he's a decent squad player. Um, I don't know that he's a he's a starter, but uh, I, I it's a, I'm kind of happy. Obviously, we, Alexander said at the end of last season we were carrying too many players, uh, so he was going to sort of we weren't going to go into this season with as big a squad. Um, and it's, I think the business that he's done seems kind of quite good. The, the first half we, we saw of uh, Morris looks very tidy in the ball, kind of looks as if he's the kind of guy who can create a yard of space to to get a pass away when need be, and that's that's exactly what we need. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how we do. It'll be interesting to see how they fit in. Pepe, in terms of transfer activity over the summer, has been the departure of Kane Woolley. It's one that's very much divided the support. I thought quite a lot of it was quite an extreme overreaction. But at the same time, I can see why the supporters did take to Kane Woolley. He was quite an exciting player to watch. When he was on his game... He looked like he would cause any defence real headaches. He scored a, a goal at Ibrox. That's always going to endear yourself to the middle supporters. But ultimately, he played 30-odd times last season, whether that be from a starting berth or as a substitute. I don't think he did turn it on enough times to merit the kind of devastation of some when he, he departed the football club. But at the same time, it was just... It was kind of funny timing. It was one that I didn't expect to happen. Uh, there wasn't kind of any murmurings that Kane Willery would be on his way and then suddenly a, 
a news story appeared from a Turkish media outlet on the, the Wednesday night by the Thursday it was gone. It was uh, it was all very sudden. The only thing that, that kind of I was a wee bit surprised about is going back to Blair Spittle when you seen it was number seven. Um we will already been number seven last season. I thought the squad numbers came in and it was number seventeen and I thought that's almost like a wee bit of kind of kicking the teeth. Um with regards to uh, you, you you having a the the one to eleven, which if uh, the players probably want, unless you're like a Tony Watt or Devante Cole who have got their own their own numbers that they like. Um but it, it, I I was a wee bit I was surprised and nobody particularly um to Turkey. Now the other thing Graham Alexander came out and said that he said at the end of the season that he he, he couldn't say it on Scotland. Um well, good luck to him in Turkey, you know what I mean? Um, he could drive down the road uh, and he's going to be sitting in a 45-degree heat. So, um, listen, I'm neither up nor down about it. I think he'd done, in spells, he'd done all right. I think there was times where I can remember criticising him on here with regards to chances that, he, that he's missed. I didn't think his final ball was great. He's, there's no denying that he's got pace and strength. But I don't think he utilised it enough, and I don't. Is that down to his attitude that he didn't really want to be here? He just didn't feel that it was for him. I don't know. So maybe this wasn't a good fit. But we do need replacements, and the the one thing that that's starting to really frustrate me is when we sign a forward player, it's automatically he can play anywhere along the front three. We need a central striker. We need somebody that can fit in. That when when Van Veen's not there, I think it's clear that that Van Veen isn't going to play every game of the season, whether it be suspension, whether it be injury. That's just the type of player that, that he is. So we need somebody who can come in and play with him that changes up the the options for the formation. Or um, if Van Veen isn't hitting the form, that this other central striker can come in and play. That, that's exactly what we need. See if we sign another Amaluza or Jordan Roberts. Um, Kane Willery to an extent that I just think that we need a, a, a number nine. And as we've already mentioned, we got to see the first glimpses of the, the new squad and the 1-0 victory over Partick Thistle in a pre-season friendly at Firhill on Saturday. I'm going to gloss over that, to be perfectly honest, because we'll no doubt discuss it while we're previewing the Sligo Rovers game. So before that, what I'll do is I'll welcome along Gerard O'Connor from the Bitter Red Supporters Trust podcast, and we'll get a bit of a view from Sligo Rovers. Gerard, first of all, thank you very much for joining us tonight. Yeah, cheers, Andy. Thanks for having us on. It's, it's an absolute pleasure. And I can only imagine after disposing of Ballatown and the first qualifying round, the, the excitement for the trip to Scotland must be really building at this moment in time. Yeah, we're we're really looking forward to coming over to Scotland. Um Probably not as excited as, as we should be, considering that we actually lost the second leg. A bit disappointed in ourselves, um, but yeah, looking forward to having having good fun over in in uh, Fir Park. Tell us a bit more about Sligo Rovers in, in Scotland. It's fair to say we don't get to see a great deal of Irish football. Yeah. I think a few of us have, have tuned into the the Bala games, got to see the league game on Sunday night as well. Give us a wee bit of background to the history of the club and kind of recent progress on the field. Yeah, sure. 
So, um, so Rovers are about a hundred years old, um, and we're a fan-owned club, club, and we always have been fan-owned. So, I suppose we've a lot of similarities there with yourselves. Um, it's very much community-based, community-focused. Um, we we probably punch above our weight, and probably always have. Um, in that. I suppose most of the clubs in the Premier Division in Ireland now will be privately owned. You've got the likes of Shamrock Rovers, who will be primarily owned by the likes of Dermot Desmond, who ye would know that would own Celtic Football Club there in Scotland. So um, for us to be qualifying for Europe and, and winning trophies is a, is a, a major coup. Um, so last year we finished third in the league, uh, and we've won quite a. We'd probably be the fourth most successful club in Ireland. I think people in in Scotland and England and things like that probably don't understand that there's two different leagues in, in, in Ireland. You've got the Northern Ireland, Northern Irish Premiership, and you've got the, the League of Ireland in the in south of Ireland. So usually Southern, more often than not, the Southern League will be a lot stronger than the Northern League. Um, and that's, that's where we play. So, um, yeah, look, we're, we're pretty okay, but not on the same level as what the SPL clubs and, and yourselves will be at. That's brilliant, Jared. Um, did you make it over to Fort Park uh, when the, the sides played in the Iron Brew Cup a couple of years ago? Yeah, I did, yeah. I think it was uh, 150th that, that went travel over. Uh, we really, really enjoyed it. Um, it was a great experience and it's a competition that unfortunately isn't no longer on the go. Uh, the Scottish Scottish Challenge Cup was quite quite unique for Irish and Welsh teams to be playing in that, but we really, really enjoyed our time. So, uh, Sammy over in uh, Club 100 really looked after us that day and there's plenty of food and drink and we had a great time with the locals because uh, we were kind of a little bit apprehensive going in because we didn't really know what to expect uh, but the locals were really accommodating and really, really friendly and lo- it's mad that we're going back there again so uh, yeah, we're really happy to be going back to Fur Park great stadium Fantastic, fantastic. Just, just to let you know, it has been restarted again this year, kind of this year. Um, oh. Across the dark, clubs have been invited back into it for this season, so maybe maybe we'll see you in the future. And oh. to be honest, you came up against quite a tasty Motherwell Colts team at that time, uh, just a couple of years after we won the Youth Cup, with the likes yeah. of Turnbull and Barry Maguire in the team, Jake Hasty, kind of James Scott and stuff like that. So uh, you're not going to see that that quality this time <laughs> we uh, we sacked our manager after that game Jaffa honest to God there was absolutely there was there was bedlam bedlam we were like do you know like no Irish team no disrespect to Colts but no Irish team should be losing to that so in fairness I don't even think I think the manager was left behind in Scotland I don't even got out of the fucking country <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that's that's the way to sack managers, just leave them, <laughs> leave them behind. The game, tell them to make their own way back. <laughs> so what's the, what's the view then with regards to the, the game against Barla? Because we all kind of thought, well, obviously at the moment we're kind of a pencil and then we think the next round will possibly be Muller will be Sparta, but you never know how it will go ahead. And before we thought it will be, Sligo will easily beat Barla. So what's the, I don't know whether that was naive or is, or... Was that an accurate assumption? And what's the kind of thought process for the for your fans in relation to the performances, uh, particularly in the home leg against uh, Barley? Because 
by all intents and purposes, but I could see they had the better of the chances. Yeah, um, I suppose firstly, first uh, leg, that wouldn't be really accurate in terms of the, the balance of play and chances. Like We probably should have won a three or four one over there. Uh, but second leg was an absolute embarrassment. Um, and it's a fair assumption to what you just what you just said there. Um, look, we're full-time. Um, I know you guys probably don't know much about us, but like we're a full-time setup, having for a long, long time, best of facilities, players are looked after so so well. We should be, we should not be, we should be swatting away the likes of Ballatown. Um, and it's probably what Ballatown are to us we are probably to Motherwell. So you should be probably swatting us away in terms that you should be a level above, especially with the likes of Kevin Van Veen up front and things like that. But look, football doesn't always work like that. And sometimes, you know, uh, I think Bala came with a game plan, particularly in the second leg, where they went very, very much direct, uh, very much kind of a a British uh, old-style game where they went front to back, you know, just knocked it down and uh, your man Venables up front who's uh, who is a seasoned campaigner and would have played a lot of league football uh, in League One and Two in England. Uh, he's very, very, he knows what he's doing and he battered the the head out of our two centre-backs and it nearly, it nearly worked for them. It wasn't pretty, but it was effective. And it's been quite interesting in, in recent years where Irish players have, have made the, the step from the Irish league to the Scottish Premiership and, and fared pretty well. Mother have done the same in the sense that we've got at the moment Ross Tierney and Robbie Mahon uh in our ranks. They both came from Bohemians last season. It does seem to be a, they also have the a left move back more and well, more players. Uh, the left back uh, uh Jake Carroll. He came from yeah. I think he came from St Pat's. Oh maybe not directly but yeah, I don't think I believe it, but it began his career at some part. But I don't think his move was from Cambridge United, if memory yeah. serves me right. But it, it does seem to be a kind of well-travelled path just now. And there's also been stories in the press linking your goalkeeper with a move down south as well. Yeah. Um, so last season, uh, John Mahan joined St Johnston, um, and Johnny Kenny joined Celtic. Uh, our goalkeeper today joined Oxford United, so we there will be a, a really uh, steady stream of players going to probably League One Championship clubs uh, from Ireland. Maybe that's probably not picked up on the radar in Scotland, but there's a. I'd say this month alone, there's maybe eight nine players that would have transferred from League of Ireland clubs to to League One or Championship players in England. Um, so that there is there's a huge amount of talent. Uh, within Ireland and, and like why why wouldn't there be I suppose the problem in Ireland that differentiates from Scotland in that that there's not really a football type industry here within this country and the football would be isn't the most popular sport whereas in Scotland it's it's football football and football whereas in Ireland and rugby as well obviously but in Ireland uh, football will be seen as a, a second class type of sport. Uh, it's very much dominated by the GEA, you know, Gaelic football and hurling. They would um take, they would suck up a lot of the government money, a lot of the uh, media attention. 
uh, also factored into that. We've had so many years of mismanagement by the FEI. So football has always been kind of a second a second class uh, sport uh, in places, but you have places like the likes of Sligo, Dundalk, uh, certain towns and cities like that where football would be the the primary sport, sport and that would be based on historical reasons. Uh, but we would be very much seen as uh, yeah the, the underdog, uh, and it wouldn't get the same profile as say football in Scotland. So is your keeper actually moved to Oxford then today? Yeah, well, uh, he I'd say his contract will be signed tomorrow. Yeah, so his, t- his last day of training was today. Because he's actually a local boy. He's actually from... That's right. Yeah, um, yeah. So he was uh, banging my head against the wall because I realised that we've dedicated two pages of an interview in the programme as uh, <laughs> the goalkeeper. So, uh, yeah, that's a bit of a disappointing one to go. But he certainly was a, a real standout against Bala, wasn't he? He made three or four... Almost world class saves. Yeah, and like age, I think he's twenty two, and he's got like over one hundred and fifty senior appearances. He made his debut at seventeen for for Sligo Rovers. Um, he is uh, an exceptional talent. And one thing I would say about him is that he's he's about six one, and I think the profile that. Uh, clubs in, in the UK are looking for, particularly English clubs, they're looking for absolute gorillas of goalkeepers. They're looking for fellas that are as big, six foot five, six foot six guys. They're they're nearly signing them on the basis of them being just physically big. But it doesn't mean most of these fellas are useless. Uh, Ed six one, but my God, he is his decision making, his coming for balls, he never drops one. His hands are unbelievable. He's probably the best one-on-one uh, goalkeeper that I've seen in a long, long time. Um, he, he is exceptional. And I know there's clubs that were dithering about signing him and then all of a sudden, once he was gone to Oxford, everybody wants to sign him. So but that, that's that's the way football is. But I, I think there's actually word of him... Um, now, look, this is a long way off, but there's word of him actually declaring for Scotland rather than Ireland because Ireland have a, a load of, it's probably our strongest position. We've got five probably really good keepers. Um, so he 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 is he will go far, I think, you know. The analogy of the six foot five uh, goalkeeper gave me a shiver down my spine and automatically thought, thought of the worst goalkeeper ever, Alan Chapman. So if we go get linked with a six foot five journeyman Finland called Aaron Chapman. Yeah. Pay a sign and do not sign him. Just Google, just Google Marlowe v Hamilton and he, he is he gives his nightmares. Yeah. And he I think that's the the stereotypical type keeper that is out there at the moment. And you know, guys that aren't six foot five are getting without uh pardon the pun, but they're actually getting overlooked, which is a uh, mistake, well, in my opinion. Just, this week, obviously, the passing of an ex-Motherwell captain and Andy Gorham was one of the smaller keepers and possibly yeah. one of the best that maybe not at his time at Motherwell, but certainly throughout his years at, at, at um, the other team for Glasgow um, <laughs> was 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 one of the one of the best that that we ever well, seen in my lifetime. Um, so it just shows you that the difference in what teams are looking for now to what, what they had then. Maybe not the, the right way to go about it. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, totally agree. And Gerard, in, in terms of the trip itself, there's been a lot of demand from Sligo fans for both the the home and the 
the away leg, uh, a real kind of element of excitement clearly around this. And I think it's it can't be understated how big an occasion it is for both Motherwell and Rovers. It's a, it's a huge game. Uh, these occasions don't come around very often and it, it promises to be a fantastic atmosphere. Firstly, how many do you anticipate will make the, the trip from Ireland uh, for the game at Fur Park? And secondly, what should Muddle fans make in the trip uh, next Thursday night? What should they expect from their, their time as, as they visit the showgrounds? Yeah, um, I'd say about... So we brought uh, probably 500 to Tabala, which was, uh, you know, a huge amount of people travelling. Um I'd say to 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 Motherwell, we'd probably bring about maybe three hundred and fifty to four hundred. But also, having said that, we'd probably have exiles that will join us uh, in Motherwell, so you could have up to another hundred. So you could have three four fifty to five hundred over there. So, which is a good showing, like you know. And then, just I suppose, in terms of um, coming over to to Sligo, uh, I I think you'll it's. It's a real kind of picturesque area of the country, not unlike the Highlands of Scotland. Uh, we're quite kind of geographically uh, far away from the main kind of like Dublin and, and the East Coast. So it's it's quite it's quite rural, uh, quite picturesque. You've a lot of lakes, mountains, all that kind of stuff. But I, obviously, lucky you're not coming to see that. You're coming to have a few beers and stuff like that. But uh, there's lo- loads of uh, bars and restaurants in the town centre. Uh, there's some nice bars that run along the, the, the riverfront there. And uh, I was actually talking to one of the lads um, contacting me there, uh, Dave Watson, I think it was. He's uh, involved with one of the supporters clubs. So he was asking where would the best place be to go. And uh, I was just saying like the Garavogue Bar, the Snug Bar, all those places. They're, they've got really nice uh, river frontage inside and outside. So you'll have an absolute uh, absolute ball Um and people will be genuinely really happy to see you. Know, you'll get a really warm welcome. Um, yeah, so you'll have a great time. And just finally, Gerard, firstly, thank you very much for your time tonight. It's been much appreciated and a really interesting insight into what we should expect over the next two games of football. Have you got any predictions for us that you can... You can share. You can put your neck in the line here. <laughs> yeah, um, I think uh, Motherwell two 0 I think the guys will possibly take that. But <laughs> no, seriously though, thank you very much for your time, and we do wish you all the best. Yeah, uh, hope to see you over there, guys, and uh, really looking forward to it. And uh, all uh, all the best for the for the rest of the season. And uh, I think our two clubs have more similarities than um, opposites. Uh, we probably both punch above our weight. We're both from kind of small towns, not fashionable places maybe. Uh, but yeah, and it's great to see people supporting their local football teams rather than going, getting attracted to the, the bigger, brighter lights of the bigger clubs in SBL or the EPL or wherever the case may be. So uh, yeah, keep the fit. Thanks very much. Brilliant. Hi, Jared. So obviously the main reason that we're here tonight is to discuss the Sligo Rovers game. Sligo of the Irish Premiership visit Fur Park on Thursday night for the first leg with the second leg taking place a week later. 
at the Showground Stadium. Jaffa, it's a, when we were paired in the draw with a Irish or Welsh side, I think the initial reaction was one have been slightly underwhelmed. Then there's the kind of prospect of a reasonably easy place to get to, and you're, you're quite upbeat about that. The the biggest standout thing, though, you would take from it is these are winnable ties. You've got, it should certainly be a, a Welsh Premier League team, and you should possibly be expected to beat a side like Sligo Rovers, despite the fact we don't have a great deal of background about them. Now, the, the second leg, Bala versus Sligo, was very interesting. Sligo led 2 1, but Bala took the lead midway through the first half in the second leg. And they absolutely dominated the Mahatship, ended up going to penalties. Sligo prevailed there and it set up Thursday night's fixture. They, it's hard to tell what we're going to come up against. As Gerard already pointed out there, they're going to know a lot more about us than we're going to know about them. But on paper, it should be a perfect opportunity to progress into the third qualifying round. And then you kind of suddenly you're really in with the big guns and some really exciting prospects there. Absolutely, Andy. Um, to be honest, it's, it's a, I'm, I'm certainly nowhere near as confident about the Sligo game as Jared seems to be for us winning it. Um, that, that gave me a wee bit more hope with what he was talking about. Um, but uh, I think, obviously, just as you said, we're going to touch on the party game during this. And it's, it's a, a, I have the fear with Sligo being halfway through their season um, coming into this game and with us only having played the one bounce game in Austria and the party game and it's even sort of at the party game although we won the game it's, I didn't think we looked anywhere near ready for, for starting the season with a European tie um, so I just hope that kind of, I hope that we're only taking it too easily that we're going to beat them Um because of the fact that they're halfway through their season, that they're going to be, they're going to be way closer to match fitness than we are. Uh, but we'll just need to wait and see. Obviously, kind of uh, my assessment of Sligo before before the weekend was that they, they're probably a top of a championship team, kind of bottom of the Premier League, and that was that was echoed. We I saw David Irons quoted in the paper saying exactly the same thing. Who had went over and scouted the game for for their league game during the, during the weekend there. He had sort of placed them in that area as well. So I think technically we are a better team than them, but I just don't know. I don't know sort of how ready we are. And it's, I think if you were, you were to put out two squads and were to pick a team, it would be it would all be Motherwell players. So we should have enough. But uh, as a Motherwell fan, you never go in sort of overly confident in things. That game against Thistle that we've, we've alluded to a few times, Kevin Van Veen missed out. He was sat in the stand during the game. Paul McGinn also missed out uh, through injury as well. Yanni Ayala, Nathan McGinley still sidelined as well. So that there is a, a fair few injury headaches for Graham Alexander. After the match, he said that both Van Veen and McGinn would be assessed on the Monday. We've not heard anything from the manager since. Uh, and let's be honest, he's never going to actually tell us the truth anyway, is he, when it comes to whether these guys are fit or not. It would be a, a bit of a hammer blow, given the fact that we've 
you've let an attacking player go to then lose your, your key striker as well, it would give us a wee bit of a headache and, and make us a bit lighter up front. I think it just re-emphasises what I've just said, really, um, in relation to uh, needing to get at least one more. I think we need possibly one that can play anywhere along the front three and one definite central striker. Whether I don't think we'll get that. Um, I think we'll get one more forward-thinking player. Um, but, yeah, there is a big kind of a hope that, that Van Veen's playing. I come back to the Thistle game again. I think that when I went into the, seen the, the team when they went into the ground, I was wondering who would who would play through the middle. Um, I thought it would have been Shields. Um, transpired that started off his effort, and it kind of a chopped and changed a wee bit. Um, I think Tierney came on um, and ended up playing there for a wee bit as well during the game. Um, and I don't really like that. Uh, I would prefer that we've got a recognised central striker. I feel as if I'm repeating myself. Um, and we've not replaced somebody that left us last year um, in that in that position. Um, the, the, the emphasis was putting Jordan Roberts signing in a permanent deal. For me, that wasn't that wasn't the case. He's away, Willie's away, and the losers away. Um, We've been told that, that Morris is a left midfielder. So just to be emphasising and agreeing completely with Jaffa said, that is a kind of concern of mine that that if one of the if, if Shields gets injured, um we're really, really light. And just a final one on the, the kind of the way that the thistle game played out. I actually thought that unlike yourself, Jaffa, I thought that we completely dominated against the side that were a couple of games into the the Premier Sports Cup campaign, they had obviously beaten Kilmarnock in the midweek after going the 90 minutes and then beat them in a penalty shootout for the bonus point. On another day, I thought the pitch was actually, it was kind of still bedding in stage. It was The grass was quite long. There was a few chances for Ross Tierney when he came on. Um, that I would have, I think in another day it could have been quite comfortable. It could have been three or four nothing and Thistle couldn't have had many complaints. It's the kind of constant chopping and changing that comes with these friendlies as well that it breaks up any rhythm or any real enjoyment for punters. I can see why we've went so long without playing a pre-season friendly in front of fans because certainly there's there's not a great deal you can really take away from it. Uh, but I, I suppose the key thing is getting 90 minutes in some of the guys' legs. That was the first 90 minutes for three or four players that featured on Saturday but there, there was just one thing that left me kind of scratching my head at the end of it Stephen O'Donnell remaining on the bench seemed very strange if he didn't have any sort of injury I would have expected to see last season's club captain feature at some point in the 90 minutes given that every other substitute including a trialist goalkeeper was introduced into the action and Robbie Mahan as well a guy that We've been told is is one for the future, um, a bit of a prospect, but quite raw. Again, not introduced into it. So, is it going to be the case that we do have the jersey fillers or the the extra bodies that Pepe's kind of alluded to there, where he's mentioned that we bring in guys that are kind of thinking, well, they'll just they'll fill a gap if and when required. But really, we've got no intention of them becoming regular starters. 
And what happens with the captaincy on on Thursday night? I, there's been no announcement there. I think it could be very interesting as to, to who the captain is. I've never been a big fan of goalkeepers being the captain. Uh, I think that it can kind of be a, a big gap between the goalkeeper and your, your forwards or your, your more advanced midfielders as well. So communication can sometimes become a wee bit of an issue. I know Liam Kelly's got no issue with uh, projecting his voice. You can you could hear him regularly on, on Saturday, but I think it's it's quite an interesting one. There's a few. There's, there's actually possibly more questions that weren't answered that were answered from that 90 minutes of football. Absolutely. It's interesting. I was going to bring up the captaincy kind of thing because I'm pretty sure Ricky Lamy was a captain on Saturday. Uh, again, in the party game, uh, kind of Liam Kelly sort of, kind of was Ricky Lamy that led the, led the team out and it was Ricky Lamy that done the, the coin toss. So, uh, I was going to ask whether whether I had missed uh, whether I had missed a, an announcement about about a change in the club captain because um, obviously kind of Stephen O'Donnell doesn't feature highly in Graham Alexander's plan based on last season and then obviously on Saturday. Um, I understand what you're saying about the party game that kind of technically we could have won kind of quite heavily, but what I was meaning was that. We didn't play it at a we didn't play it at a pace that that kind of that was getting us ready for a for a game. We we played it very much like a pre-season friendly that we had to get through. But I also sort of think that it was the, the only the only danger for Partick Thistle came in about the last last 10, 10 15 minutes where kind of they started getting top, and that was the worry for me. That's that's the bit that I'm worried about. Um, but uh, I. It's as it interesting as it's like I I never to be honest I was kicking myself for actually going to the preseason game because you always read into it and you it, it never ever makes sense. There's there's preseasons where we've gone where we've we've lost every game, we've lost every preseason game, and you go into the season think we we're definitely in for a fight for relegation, and it's like we're, we've been challenging for Europe. And there's games where there's pre seasons where we've we've won every game really handsomely and thought, right, brilliant. And then we're in sort of like had a six game losing streak to start the season. So you can't really you can't really base you can't predict what's going to happen in the season based on pre season games, but it's I'm just worried that can I, unless there's loads of bounce games that have happened behind closed doors that nothing's ever been released about. Um I'm just worried that we, we haven't done enough prior to this game, but um Aye, it'll be interesting to see what happens. See, I've got a slightly different viewpoint. I think that I'll call it wrong, but my my thought process was that Liam Kelly was near the captain because the tireless goalkeeper was always going to come on. Um, Stephen O'Donnell never got on because he had an extended uh, playing um, season last season. So there was no really any great necessity and it was probably to get as much legs into Max Johnston as possible. I fully expect Stephen O'Donnell to start tomorrow and be the captain. Um, and I think that's the reason why Liam Kelly wasn't wasn't the captain, was just because he was going to be substituted. And I know that, that potentially that he could have been the, the captain and handed the armband to Ricky Lamy. Um, but that that was my 
my thought process because I don't think they knew exactly when they were going to bring on the keeper. I think the keeper thought he was coming on at half time. Um, so, as you've just said, Jaffa, you sometimes look at things too much. Um, maybe I'm not looking at it enough. Um, but what I'm glad that Andy brought up was the, the, the Irish boy, the, the, the striker, Mahon, or I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly or not. Uh, I was really disappointed that he never got on at all because it just seemed a bit. Uh, pointless. So we've said that it's difficult to analyse much from a pre-season friendly, although we have given it a good 20 minutes of a, a go, to be fair. But the, the final question I've got for you guys is, what are your hopes for Thursday night? It is a game that we're expected to win. I think that all the pressure is certainly on Mother will go into this game. We've had the issues with the end of last season. And winning three games between January and in May. So there is pressure on the manager as well. He'll be very keen to get off to a good start and make sure the fans are on side. It's going to be a very interesting night, Jaffa. Definitely, mate. And I think that's it's a really kind of it's a really sound point that kind of we really need to get off to a winning start um, because it's not going to take long this season uh, for the fans to for the fans to turn against Alexander. Um, I think there's there's already a few that are that are already there. Um, so I think it's it's vital that we win. I hope that we do. Anyone anyone would be perfect, but kind of it's you would like a convincing one. You like at least two nothing um, to go through and sort of um, so that we're going with a wee bit of cushion going to the island for the the second leg. Pepe, the draw for the the third qualifying round has already been revealed. A trip to play Sparta Prague or Viking FK of Norway to pretty tantalising ties for the fans, especially a trip to Prague, of course. It's a, a massive caveat there, isn't it, that you, you've got to get the job done against Sligo and then you've got a potential glamour tie in the waiting. I certainly. I mean, it's. Uh, I, I spoke to you the other night. It's maybe not quite up. Well, it's not quite up there with uh, uh, Dortmund. In my opinion, it's a, a far more uh, a bigger game than, than Nancy. If we get Sparta... Um, Certainly, I would definitely 100% be going. Um, I thought it would have been a bit cheaper than what it was, certainly. Um, but I've seen tonight that Alan Burroughs has tweeted saying that the game, should we proceed through, will be on the Wednesday. Um, so, I don't know if that'll make things easier for people or, or not. They certainly gave me a couple of extra options when I was looking tonight, but yeah. It's one that you would, I think, will take quite a sizable support. There's a lot of Marlowe fans that would love to go to a place like Prague and, and support our team. Um, it, it's kind of a, a double-edged sword, isn't it? You've got the probably the toughest team in the draw, but I would rather get put out to, to Sparta Prague than Viper 47. I know they won in the draw, but you know what I mean by that? Um, I know that we need to get through... Uh, our game on Thursday and I fully expect us to do it um, I know that, that, that Airdrie have, have just beaten St Mern tonight and last season I was fully convinced that we would go to um, Broomfield and or, sorry, Clydebank Stadium and, and beat them um, but I think that that, that game might stand, stand us in good stead that there was still members of the squad that's seen the reaction and hopefully they remember that but 
again, um, going back to what Jaffa said, if we do not progress through this round, it's an absolute disaster for Graham Alexander. Um, it's a disaster for the start of the season because it puts the start of the season in a completely negative spin. You go into the start of that, you end the season in a high, um, and then you start the season on an absolute low, um, and it really does put him under. And uh, it gives they're not going to sack him after after getting put out uh, 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 the Europa, but I think it, it really does put him under pressure with the with the amount of games that we lost in this calendar year. So it's really, really, really important for his managerial future. That model. I totally agree. And the uh, the point you made on the, the date of the game, my understanding of it is it's if Slavia Prague and Sparta Prague both go through in Europe, our game would automatically be changed from the Thursday, the 4th of August to Wednesday, the 3rd of August. So there's kind of all these permutations, the same ones that existed for those that were waiting uh, with their finger in the, the button of Ryanair and so on and so forth uh, last week. So, uh, yeah, hopefully it's a lot clearer come come the end of Thursday night, but it's just a, just the way that it goes now, isn't it? Because you're, you're going to have just back-to-back European football. Should you get that opportunity to progress or should we progress? Absolutely. I mean, obviously, kind of Slavia, Prague are playing uh, St. Joseph's from Gibraltar, so... You, you would have to think that that's a that's maybe a given. I think Sparta have got a harder tie against Viking. Um, but when I saw when I saw that tweet for Alan Burroughs saying that the the game was on Wednesday, I was absolutely delighted because I've got four tickets for Pixies on the Thursday night. Uh, so it means I can get get over there and get back and get to the concert. <laughs> Otherwise, I was going to have to try and give away four tickets because it's it's all guys who would be be going to the football that have got the tickets from me so um I I it's a, it's one of these things it's, I don't I don't really like the way that, that kind of they do these things now it's it's far too quick a turnaround and it's like obviously sort of you're, you're having the draw on the Monday and it's it's us it's us or Sligo against uh against Sparta Prague or Viking and it's like the next week and obviously we with it uh the first leg being away and Potentially going to the the win, going being moved to the Wednesday. It's technically kind of unless you unless you gamble that you're definitely going to get through, and they're definitely going to get through. It's only giving you six days to sort of actually sort out sort out kind of everything to get over there, um, and it, it can be easy for the clubs as well to to organise that transport and kind of organise everything. But uh, I, it's, it's I think it's I think it's a wee bit of shambles to be honest. I think kind of. Uh, the way it used to be, where it's like you played the games and then you had a fortnight between sort of between the second round, second qualifying round, the third qualifying round would give you a wee bit more time. But uh, we'll just that is what it is, and it's hopefully we we'll get through. Hopefully, we get a chance to go to Prague. It's I went to Prague when I was when I was eighteen or nineteen, and it was a it was a fantastic party city then. I think it's even even more sort of catered to to partying now. So. I think the well fans will go and go in numbers to there and have a great time if that's who we get to play. And to be honest, it's one of these ones as well. It's like they're they're a big team, but they're not. I don't think it's a it's a I don't think it's an automatically winnable tie. But I think it's a game that we've maybe got a chance in if we if we're 
if we actually sort of progress through to, to face them, I think it's, it, may, it may be sort of slightly in their favour, but I think we've got a chance against them as well. So we'll see what happens. Right, so Jaffa, what I'm going to clarify what you've said tonight is you're not sure that we'll beat Sligo, but we'll beat Sparta Prague. That isn't what I said. I said that kind of, like, if, if, we beat, if we beat Sligo, kind of, then that starts it off and it kind of gives us momentum. And it's, it's at a, I didn't say that we would beat Sparta, I just said that there was a chance. No, I won't get on, it's not an Jeff, I told you he was twisted. I told you he was twisted. Aye. He's just exposed himself further. Aye. Aye. I'm, I'm team Andy all the way in this, by the way. I'm never going to, I'm never going to kind of do a, do a breakaway with him. <laughs> the, uh, just a little one on that. The, you mentioned the fact that it was a nightmare for the clubs as well. One of our mates had booked hospitality for Thursday night and actually the Millennium Hospitality has been cancelled due to a lack of demand so maybe that's kind of something as well that it it shows you that it's it's hard for the club to take advantage of these financial opportunities that come with these events so yeah it's it's maybe not the gold mine that it once was and I think that obviously you've got that third competition now as well where um, while it presents extra opportunities to play in Europe it's maybe not quite as lucrative as has been in the Europa League or previously the UEFA Cup has been. Certainly not at the level that we that we are expected to. Obviously, sort of we are seeded in the second qualified round, so we're expected to go through, and we'll be playing against a seeded team in the third qualifying round, which he would expect us to go out. Um, and it's, I've seen the I've seen the sort of prize money for that, and it's like it probably will sort of cover the costs for for Ireland and, and Prague but if it was I know years ago they used to do it regionally because it was getting too expensive there was teams threatening not to go into it because it's, it's it was costing them a fortune to actually go and lose uh, in the early rounds so uh, obviously you get to the groups and it's like the point you get pounds per points that you pick up in a group and that's where the money is made in Europe um, but for the kind of early qualifying rounds it's like I don't think there's, I don't think it's that it's that lucrative to us. Where kind of in the past you would have thought, or oh, uh, getting into Europe is is going to be a huge payday for the club. And I just don't think it is anymore. I, I think it kind of especially sort of when you're not expected to make the group stage, it's it's not the it's not the sort of golden ticket that once was. I think as well um, with regards to the the uptake. Uh, the hospitality, for example, what you've got to remember is, well, I know that the, the fair fortnight is kind of a thing of the past, but it's still quite a big thing, particularly the fact that we're now at the 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 end of a, a COVID people anybody been holiday for a long time, and a lot of people will be going be going away, um, and people will need to cut their cloth, um, the the cost of living, um, and certainly. I mean, uh, with the fact that, that I did make a kind of decision that well, it wasn't going to be as cheap to go to Ireland as what I thought, and me and my wee boy will go to hopefully the next round. So I've took, taken that gamble. Um, but I, I definitely think the, the timing of the games, um, it's difficult for it to be a complete sellout, uh, particularly during any time of the school holidays. Uh, definitely, there's going to be. The, it's, I, I know kind of quite a few people, quite a few of my friends who are season ticket holders are actually on holiday just now and are going to miss the home game. 
Um, now, obviously, they all knew what the dates were, but it was their significant others that said, we're going to wait during the summer, um, and you can have the, the winters the time for football. Um, so it's, I think there's that as well. But it's, I mean, it is a, it is a shame there is a, there is kind of there isn't going to be any hospitality. It's uh, it's maybe a, I, think there, I think there is still some hospitality. I think it's just certain packages, unfortunately, weren't weren't picked up upon. Right. Aye. But as I say, I don't think it's I don't think it's a complete lack of. Uh, lack of interest. I think it's just the that there is a there's much more sort of people on holiday and stuff that uh, with other things to think about than than kind of getting hospitality packages at, at the football sort of and was it the twenty first twenty first of July? It's, it's it's quite an early start this year. Oh, absolutely, guys. I think that's pretty much all we've got for tonight. I would like to thank you both for your time. So thank you. Cheers, mate. Cheers, buddy. No worries. Thanks for having me on again. You've been listening to the MSC podcast. We will return after the first leg of the Motherwell versus Sligo Rovers match on Thursday night. Until then, thank you and goodbye. My sick like I told you, don't fuck with my height I'm a beast like that cold train, that soul train got far Capped up like FIFA, skating off the bar Break through that music that vibes with your soul No feeling your legs when you lose all control When I hear that whoop, you're better not Oh, I'm taking it fast, I ain't taking it slow Yeah.